Hello, I'm Matthew Ward, author of Legacy of Steel, which releases today. So uh, we're going to celebrate by doing a little bit of a reading from the book. We're going to start nice and early on in chapter one, and uh, we'll take it from there. So please settle down and hope you enjoy it. Dawn stumbled across Tressia's crooked rooftops, the Mestra's radiance as reluctant as Jasiri's blood. No, not Lumestris. The goddess was gone, dead perhaps even before his birth. The sunlight was her legacy, and in Dregmeat, every scrap of light counted. Tressia had been founded before the Age of Kings, a labyrinth of townhouses, mansions and churches reaching into the sunlit sky, white stone agleam and stained glass windows rich as gemstone. A place of industry and guilds where farmers and millworkers jostled beneath bright market canopies, soldiers drilled to perfection on muster fields and gold-frocked priests preached to the bright carillon of bells. At least, that was so of the wider city. Dregmeat was Tressia's most ancient quarter, or the oldest not to have been torn down and built upon across passing centuries, decaying wattle and timber buildings that were the last refuge for those who had nothing. Even on the district's fringes, as Jasiri was that morning, far from where ancient walls held the western sea from sunken streets, mist muffled the sounds of the wider city. The further one descended into Dregmeat's slums, the deeper one trod another world. Also, nursery rhyme and folktale insisted. Stifling a yawn, Jasiri brushed a tangle of blonde hair from his eyes, and clung deeper to the alley's shadows. A year ago, he'd lived a life of broken hours, sleep snatched wherever it could be found. Today, rising before dawn had almost destroyed him. Captain Kirkus scratched beneath his mildewed and curling eye patch. Pardon me for asking, sir, but you're sure about this? Jasiri stared across the empty street, past the crumbling spire of Seacaller's church to the dilapidated manor house. Decades before, Crosswind Hall had served as the Portreeve's home and headquarters. Then, its windows had shone with light, bright heraldic banners of council and family streaming to welcome guests and petitioners. Now, sagging timbers covered broken glass, and the overgrown garden was caged only by the iron railings at its boundary. The roofs were sunken, weather-worn expanses, shed of tiles. Quite sure, Captain, Jasiri replied, and I've told you before, it's Jasiri. Right you are, sir. The gruff accent remains steadfastly neutral. Still, I can't help but wonder if the first councillor... Jasiri found a way his annoyance. We can't wait for the council's approval. If the Crowmarket moved the captives, we might not see them again. Not till we find them floating in the silverway. Kirkus sighed. I suppose it's too late, anyway, what with after constabulary lurking hereabouts. True. Little went unnoticed in Dragmeat. Eyes would be watching. Glad to have your support, Captain. Just don't want this turning sour on you, sir. Jasiri tried to read his mood. A wasted effort. The captain had been too long a soldier, and far too accomplished at misdirecting his superior's questions. Kirkus has parted with his right eye and most of his left arm on the battlefield, and what remained never seemed terribly concerned about parting ways with the rest, or appearance. The eye patch was the least of it. Nothing crumpled the uniform so swiftly as surrendering it to Kirkus's care. Even in Dregmeat's gloom, the Trillan Phoenix on his king's blue chabard should have glittered, gold thread giving shape to white feathers. Taken alongside a shock of black hair that surrendered but reluctantly to the comb, and Kirkus looked more suited to a life in Dregmeat than as a captain of a noble's hearthguard. But he'd come with the highest possible recommendation. Besides, Anastasia liked him. That placed Kirkus on a very short roster indeed, and brought forgiveness for less esoteric flaws. Without Kirkus, they'd never have known about the Vranikin nest at Crosswind Hall. Beneath the crumpled respectability of his hearthguard uniform, he was still a son of Dregmeat, with contacts who'd never consider speaking to a constable, far less a pretty counsellor. Footsteps heralded a woman's emergence from the alley's depths. Like Kirkus, she wore a blue tabard belted about her waist and a captain's star at her throat, but she was otherwise his opposite, 
watchful, heavy-set, and controlled. Are we ready, Captain Darrow? asked Jasiri. She nodded, one hand on a sword's pommel and the other's about the stem of a muffled handbell. My lot are in place. Unless you Krikons coming, this won't get better than this. Even one or two of the bronze giants would have made the morning's work faster and safer, but bollowing Krikons meant approaching the Proctors, and approaching the Proctors meant gaining the Council's blessing, and the Council's blessing took time. Scaring up a score of constables had been hard enough. And then there was the other problem. Krikons weren't reliable in Dragneet's mists. As in the forbidden places Jasiri trespassed as a boy, and later relied upon as a wolf's head outlaw, unhallowed magic brought the Foundry's constructs to a creaking halt. Jasiri shook his head. Too late to worry about that now. Let's get to the morning's business. Yes, my lord. I'll send word when it's safe. Thank you, Captain, but I'll be coming with you. Her lip twisted in the expected scowl. I don't think that's... These are my people. She stiffened. Mine too. Her voice held enough pride and resentment that she probably meant it. That made Vernadara something of a rarity, and a nobler soul than her predecessor. But better the blame fell on his shoulders than hers if matters went ill. His past created an expectation of rashness. His rank offered forgiveness for it. Ever since the Council had passed the settlement decree, finally annulling the law old laws of indenturement and freeing thousands of Jasiri's fellow Southwielders, there had been disappearances. Freed from their slaves' bridles, too many had simply vanished. Officialdom had never much cared about the fortunes of those who bore the rose brand upon their wrist, save to ensure that they weren't taking unearned liberties or passing themselves off as decent folk. Again and again, Jasiri had heard the same tale, that the missing had been taken by the crow market, dragged down into dragmeat. It didn't take much imagination to determine the rest. A welter of unwholesome trade transacted in the city's shadows, and beyond the walls, plenty of unscrupulous merchants who spend coin on workers no one might miss. Cheaper to pay the local leave to look the other way than part with fair wages. Then let's waste no more time arguing, said Jasiri. Darrow exchanged a brief glance with Kirkus, found little of the way of support, and offered a stiff arm salute. Right you are, my lord. She slipped a woollen muffler from the clapper. The bell rang out. Others answered through the mists. Constables emerged from alleyways and bore down on the Portree's manor, the circle of King's Blue Tabards to seal its secrets tight. Jasiri advanced, Kirkus at his side. Dara pushed on ahead, her long stride eating up the roadway's mismatched and sunken cobbles. The gate's sagging hinges yielded to the strike of her boot. The rusted bars crashed back into tangled bushes. This is Captain Vonadara of the City Guard, she plowed on down the choke pathway. Anyone within these walls is bound by law. You'll come to no harm unless you want it otherwise. Maybe there's no one home, muttered Kirkus. Jasiri took the tails of his coat free of the bramble snare and peered about. No. Someone's here. Too many snagged and trampled branches on the path. Plenty of visitors, but hiding their numbers. Some veteran you are. Kirkus sniffed. Of course I noticed. Wasn't sure you had, that's all. Once a wolf's head, always a wolf's head. He'd never thought of those as happier times. Uh, but they were... And they weren't, not really, but they'd been simpler. Sir, said Kirkus, but you're a counsellor now. Stay back and let me take the lumps in your place, if only you're in the offing. Matter of professional pride. Josiri glanced down at his waistcoat shirt and trews. Practical enough in the morning chill, but they wouldn't turn a blade. Not like the leathers and chain Kirkus wore beneath his tabard. Yes, Captain. The manor erupted a knot of men and women in patchwork garb and the ragged cloth masks that were of Veronica's only uniform burst from the front door and ran headlong for freedom. Bells chimed, rousing the constabulary to pursuit. Darrow tackled one fugitive, Captain and Quarry striking weed-choked gravel with bone-crunching force. Another shoved a constable and bolted for the undergrowth. Dark shapes crashed through tangled branches. Cries of alarm and the dull smack of truncheon on flesh rang out. The clash of steel upon steel. A scream. 
and the crunch of a body falling onto gravel. It was over by the time Jusiri reached the manor itself. Constables led living fugitives to the clogged fountain and forced them to their knees beside a growing pile of confiscated weapons. The dead, they dragged by their heels. A scruffy bunch, but then the Vranikin was seldom otherwise. Crowborn with tattered wings. The desperate, the poor and the hungry, rubbing shoulders with the thuggish and malevolent. Society's left behinds. No one shows a life in Dragmeat. Darrow broke off from conversation and hurried over. We're secure, my lord. I've set watches on the exits. No sign of anyone yet, but I wager we'll find a few rats inside the walls. Let's take a look, shall we? Darrow's scowl deepened, but she nodded and turned away. Sergeant Marsden, you're in charge out here. Drag this rabble to the cells. I'll want a long talk with them later. Jasiri ascended the weather-worn steps. The archway keystone bore the ever-present rays of Lemestra's sunlight, and also a tide motif. An oddity, but he supposed it made sense that the pottery would offer the deference to Wendala, if only to ensure safe passage for his ships. For all the church liked to pretend otherwise, Lemestra was not the only divine power worshipped in the Republic. He reached for the door. Kirkus grabbed his arm. Hold up. What is it? The captain pointed at the arch where the upright began its gentle curve towards the keystone. There, concealed by the dawn's shadow, was a bundle of black feathers bound with woollen thread and topped with a corbean skull. Nailed into the mortar at shoulder height, its eyeless gaze cut across the threshold. It gave the impression of something waiting to pounce. Crouch on, said Kirkus. Used to mark territory and warn where the curious. Give the raven a coin, he'll hear you. Give him a feather, and he'll guard you. Is it dangerous? Kirkus shrugged. Plenty of folk will tell you they bring bad fortune. And you? Do I look like a man smiled on by fate? The captain's face held a measure of wariness, but it was a rare day when it did not. Might have been a trick of the eye patch, but superstition was a fickle thing. Priests and crow marketeers alike grew fat of it. But just as all lies held a grain of truth, superstition coalesced about fragments of the divine, harmless until it killed you. Not often, no, said Jusiri. Too late, anyway. Kirk has snatched the charm from its nail and crushed it beneath his heel. Crossing the crow market is bad fortune. Don't let anyone tell you different. Jusiri stared down at the fragments, shook away a pang of dismay and eased the door open. Darkness loomed behind. I'll need a light. Typical eye blood. Never prepared. Darrow unclipped a small iron-bound firestone lantern from a belt and handed it over. Can't have you falling down a hole and breaking your neck, can we? Jasiri nodded his thanks and twisted the nod at the lantern's base. Quartz blazed to life behind the glass as captive magic roused. Fitful light granted shape to cracked and peeling walls, to collapsed stairs and a bowed ceiling. He edged into the entrance hall. Somehow it felt colder inside than out, the mist thicker about his feet than before. A filthy chandelier hung from a twisted chain. The glass of its firestone housing shattered and its crystals smashed. Water-stained portraits stared down from the walls like weary vigil spirits. And the smell, musty and cloying, with a sour metallic tang. Forgotten years and old death. He pressed on across the hall. Lanterns bobbed as constables pressed after him. You want upstairs or down? asked Darrow. Jasiri peered at the rotting staircase and the equally uncertain ceilings. Down. She offered a crisp nod. Right you are. Kresik, Treminov, you're with me. Jorikin Narod, you keep his lordship from getting into too much trouble. And that goes double for you, Vladama. Still can't believe you taught me into this. Kirkus shrugged. Can't out my silver tongue, can I? Darrow shook her head and stormed away towards the stairs. Kirkus relieved Narod of his lantern. You two see what's left of the kitchens and the service quarters. His lordship and I will take the rest. The constables withdrew. The glow of Jorik's lantern bobbed along the kitchen passageway and out of sight. Jasiri gripped the pommel of his sword, fingers clenching and unclenching without conscious bidding. He followed Kirkus through the great hall's mouldered furniture. 
Marks in the filth betrayed recent travel, but such was hardly proof of illicit business. The wretches outside might simply have needed a roof over their heads, even when that roof was more open to the sky than not. But of the spent fires and refuse that went with such habitation, Jasiri saw no sign. Strange, given the downpours of recent days, Sommertide was but a memory and fate had its cold talons tight about the city. Even the leaves of the Hyadra Grove were curling. Now is a thing. Kirkus stumbled past the fireplace and out into what had once been a wide stairway, now clogged with debris from the upper landing's demise. The lower stair was clear of rubble. At its foot, a wooden door practically gleamed among the decay, unsoiled by mould and lichen as it was. The heavy bar set across its jams and a second crow charm all but demanded investigation. Jasiri started down the stairs. Kirkus's hand fell heavily on his shoulder. Now, you've not forgotten our little chat about lumps and taking the air off, have you, sir? Instinct streaming reluctance, Jasiri allowed Kirkus to pass him on the stairs. The captain reached the bottom and dealt with the second crow charm, much as he had the first. Who knows, he asked conversationally, as bones splintered beneath his foot. Maybe if you break enough of these things, bad luck comes good again, you know, like a wheel turning. Can I trouble you for a hand with this bar? Jasiri set down his lantern. Taking a firm grip on the bar, he hoisted it aside. A soft chorus reached his ears, muffled, barely more than whispers, and readily lost beneath the creak of timber floorboards. Caution demanded he call for Dara and her constables. Impatience insisted he press on. Impatience won. Jasiri drew his sword and eased back the door. Wooden stairs and cracked plaster gave way to bare stone and deepening mist. The sounds, no longer muffled, betrayed themselves as soft whispers and hurried breaths uttered by those hoping to escape notice. Jasiri reclaimed his lantern. Kirkus set his own aside in favour of drawing his sword. With a last shared nod, they continued their descent. The stairs opened into a vaulted cellar, heavy with a rank stench of sweat and bodily waste. Corroded iron cages lined the walls. Most stood empty, though trampled straw and other detritus suggested they had not always been so. As Jasiri approached the foot of the stairs, a handful of gaunt, filthy faces turned away and shuffled back into the darkness, all save one belonging to a red-haired lad. Where his neighbours shrank away, he pressed close to the bars, eyes widening at Kirkus's tabard. The phoenix. A grimy hand reached through the bars, the dark walls of the rose-brand stark against a pale wrist. Are you here to free us? Crouching beside the cage, Jasiri took the lad's hand. The fingers were cold and thin, but he took encouragement for the strength of his grip. We are. Did Lord Shalan send you? Jasiri ignores Kirkus's soft chuckle, another unwanted reminder of his changing circumstances. Traitors, however highborn, didn't merit the statues and portraits by which common citizens might recognise their betters. But for Kirkus's phoenix, long the symbol of the Trelan line, there'd have been no clue at all. The lad looked barely old enough to have been born at the time of Exodus, some sixteen years before. To him, Lord Jasiri Trelan, the Duke of Vanish Escavord, could only ever have been a stranger. In a manner of speaking, Jasiri pulled free and turned his attention to the cage's iron lock. Too sturdy to force, and he lacked the skills for anything subtler. He would have to wait for Darrow. What's your name? Altris. Altris Saron. Jasiri cast about the cages. Fewer than a dozen captives, and all save the lad reluctant to meet his gaze, a drop in the ocean to the hundreds still missing. That cellar alone could have held two or three score. Where are the others? There were others. He nodded, hesitant. How many? Altris stared past him to a slatted iron door behind the stairs. I don't know. A couple of dozen, perhaps? They took them in there, one at a time. They don't come out, not ever, but we all heard the screams. It was my turn next. The woman with the feather cloak told me so, said it was necessary. She smiled. That was the worst of it. Feathers, asked Jasiri. Black feathers? Altris bit his lip and pinched his eyes shut. Black as nightmare. A chill brushed the back of Jasiri's neck. He'd no memory of seeing a feather cloak among Darrow's prisoners, 
which meant the woman was still here, and if she was what Jerry suspected, he stared at the iron door, his fingers closed again on the grip of his sword. Captain, he murmured. Might be a good time to fetch Captain Darrow, if you take my meaning. Kirka sounded no happier than Jasiri felt. Jasiri glanced from Alteris to the iron door. Feel free. I'll wait. Kirka shook his head. Oh no, I'm not falling for that. Not again. If you get me killed, I'm never speaking to you again. Noted. Jasiri's doubts resurfaced as he approached the door. Kirkus was right about fetching Darrow and her constables. But what would that do, except drive others onto the Kernclaw's talons in his place? The door whispered open on oiled hinges. The smell hit Jasiri first. Death. Not the old death of the wounds above, but the iron tang of blood recently spilled. The rough stone floor was dark with it, and never more so than where the glistening grooves led towards a large, open grate at the room's far end. In the chamber's centre sat a low stone altar, its warm flanks etched with effigies of carrion birds with glittering gems for eyes. The strangest feature was the lone, empty archway between altar and grate. Like the altar, it was covered in bloody smears, the print of many different hands visible against pale grey stone. But of the Kernclaw, or indeed of any other living soul save Kirkus, Jasiri caught no sign. They don't come out. Not ever. A couple of dozen, Altruist had said. Depending on how long you've been here, the true tally was likely higher. Blessed Lumestra, breathed Kirkus. Have you ever seen anything like this? On my old mother's soul, I have not. Never even heard of anything like this. Jasiri set the lantern down on the altar and put a hand to his mouth in a vain attempt to blot out the smell. No bodies, but that didn't mean anything. Not with the sound of water rushing somewhere beneath the grate, a sewer, or one of the Estrema's tributaries. They don't come out. Not ever. Indenturement was bad enough. This was worse. Whatever this was. I think it's time you fetch Captain Darrow, said Jasiri. So that was chapter one of Legacy of Steel. Uh, today I've been reading from the US paperback. There's a hardback available in the UK and e-copies available worldwide. Uh, so if I've piqued your interest, if you're desperate to continue the story from Legacy of Ash or you'd like to leap right in here, then you can do so. So uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.